Hello and welcome to the Zwift, the SBS podcast. As the days get longer, I'm looking forward to riding the roads again, but I couldn't be happier with the work I've put in on Zwift over the winter to keep in shape. Having completed so many of their Fun is Fast event series, I know that when I venture back out onto the road again, I'm ready to climb mountains, push through fondos, and speed through intervals. And the workouts, they're all still available. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Get a free seven-day trial at Zwift.com. Right on. Bonjour, bonjour, buenas tardes, and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we start, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me is Dave McKenzie today. How are you? I'm pretty good. However, didn't you know, today's the day I wear my blue shirt. I know. So I know, you've doubled up. I had it on first, Couch Peloton. He copied. Um, I'm double denim. Yeah, this is you the are thing. I'm double denim. <laughs> double denim. Um, hey, how good was that yesterday, chatting it, with Kunda Court? Good. Absolutely. Yeah, and then Kunda Court is a total legend. We yeah. absolutely love uh, Kunda Court and the time he gave us. And there's been a lot of comments from you guys as well saying, you know, he's opened up so much about his accident, but yeah. not so much of a, not only his accident, his life and what he's doing yeah, now yeah. and the life in a peloton. And we just wish all the cyclists could open up this way. Yeah, he's a, amazing. He's a trooper. If you haven't seen it, you can go back and, and, and rewatch it. Yeah. We urge you to because he's, to me, just quickly on him, it's. Yeah. Nothing to do with his cycling. He's actually just a lovely guy. He's one of the nicest Brooke. blokes you could meet. Absolutely. Yeah. Someone else says he's also very nice. It's Pat Shaw. He's on our show today. How are you, Pat? I was worried about uh, how you were going to feng shui that, boys, because, um, yeah, <laughs> Kun, Kun, Kun's a really special guy. And, um, yeah, wish him all the best as well, obviously. Good Absolutely. Uh, we've got a big show today. Have we? Big yeah. show. Hey, we have a big what show. Do you got, what do you got? Do you know why? Why? Do you know who won yesterday? Well, I know. Come on, Kenny Edison knows. Who won? I'm sorry, Stora. Stora. Okay, yeah. So, so. I was waiting for a couple of flares to ignite him. <laughs> I was like, hang on, where are we? I thought it was a stadium. <laughs> yeah, but yes, Michael Stora won the second stage at the Vuelta. Uh, Honestly, you commentated on both of them, of course. Mm. Uh, how good was this? Oh, the first, uh, we all rejoice when an Aussie wins. Doesn't matter which Australian, you know, we all wear our heart, wear, wear the Aussie flag on our sleeve, don't we? But second stage win, it's really significant because you've only there's only been two other guys that have won double stages yeah. and they're sprinters. Sprinters win multiples. We know that in Grand Tours. So it's quite rare, in fact, for someone like Michael Storer, that opportunist or a climber to win. He's won a mountaintop and now he's won a, a real opportunist day, you know, coming from a big break and solo. Yeah. And he carved up, he carved up this group of 30 odd riders. We're talking some really good climbers in there, some really smart, experienced guys. He absolutely demoralized them all. And yeah. it was, uh, Shory, it was, you know him quite well. You know his character, you know the way he's raced. This kid is, he's just hitting his straps, isn't he? Really has matured. And I, I, I spoke to you guys before we started tonight. It's very rare you see a rider that comes out and says, okay, I've signed for such and such a team, which is not my current team for the next two years, and goes on to have success with their current team. It just is it, very rare. Normally you see a bit of a falling out, but, you know, you can really see there's quite a lot of passion at the team for Michael, and they're very proud of him and happy for him. 
But also for him to go out and win, like you said, Maka, they're not the two of the same stages. They're two very different stages. And he beat riders that really, really lost last night's stage because it suited them far better than it did Michael Storer. But from the moment he went away solo, he was rock solid all the way to the line. He could have ridden another 30 kilometers. How much do you think FDJ are uh, Mark Madio, for example, is sitting yeah. yeah, or group? Yeah, FDJ Kupama. They, they, like Mark Madio is sitting in his sofa today, going, "Yep, ka-ching, we've done really well." You this know, <laughs> this was Mark Madio last night on the couch, right? Ale, Michael, Ale, Michael. True. If but, you don't um, know what who Mark Mal- Mark Madio is, couch peloton, just go on YouTube and search him. Okay, <laughs> but he's the DS yeah. of uh, FDJ Groupama. But hey, hey. Uh, Pat, how do you think they're feeling today at FDJ going, we've done a right good old bargain here? Yeah, they're, they're thinking finally we get our Dukenic quick step moment where we've picked up a rider, you know, <laughs> yeah, added yeah. value. But, you know, I really hope Mark got his, his value as well. But at the same time, I, th- I just think it's um, it's fantastic to see. He, he And it's not to say that this is potentially about DSM's team environment. I'm not trying to say that. But he certainly seems like he's got this weight off his shoulders. He seems to really be riding quite freely. But more importantly, the confidence. And, and I haven't seen him sort of racing like that since probably his under-23 days with what was one of the best, if not the best, under-23 Australian team we had at Tour Lavinia at Valley d'Osta that year as well, um, and, and, and Baby Giro. Um, he, he's really started to move into what he was in the under-23 ranks in the elite ranks now. Got to remember, he's only 24 years of age. He turns 25 That's in right, February yeah. next year. Um, it's not like he's sort of been um, – it's hard to remember, should I say, because we think of him as being, say, probably 30 because he entered the World Tour ranks at a very young age. Same did uh, Robert Stannard and so did uh, Chris Hamilton and, and, and Jack Haig. Uh, and these are all riders that we sort of think are sort of towards the end. Then they're, they're right in their prime. Right ready now is the time that they're going to get their biggest results. Yeah, totally, yeah. totally. Uh, let's have a let's have a look and let's listen. Uh, that's just after crossing the line. So you just saw uh, the image of uh, images of Michael Storer crossing the line. We're now taking you straight after crossing the line. Well done. Wow. Really well. well done. Well done. You, you know what's I mean I, I know we're going to talk about Michael Storer not just for the rest of this race but the next few years Shory just that celebration there he goes across the line nothing special arms in the air no fist pump no fist pump when he gets to his his soigneurs team support he's like stealth and he's, also- he, he's taking in the moment but yeah. that's Michael Storer at his most excited level. And I also just want to add on this. He's like, oh, watch out. Yeah, watch it, out, like, oh, let's have a drink. Watch out. Watch <laughs> out, watch out. Riders are coming. Like, 
He, he really is a different character, isn't he? Yes, he is, and maybe it's the reason why. So good. I always say to to people when they ask me about Michael's story, and this is for not not just now that we're seeing him win, but for the years um, past. Because even four years ago, he's racing in a, a Cadell Evans Great Ocean Road race and was front group. I think twenty five riders left. He was nineteen. Um, he's he he's he looks the mo- the least likely to succeed. But, geez, he has an engine, and now finally his engine's big enough to compete on the highest level. But, Mackie, you're so right. In a moment like that where he should be carried away, and, and Christoph, you just said, he, he's saying to his staff, hey, hey, move over. Let's be aware this rider's still coming. <laughs> he knows who those riders are because he just rode away from them 15Ks earlier. But he's um, he is really level-headed. And I think um, even Dave Sanders has said he's just such an exceptional kid to work with in the younger days because – he was very mature. He's not exactly the Larry type and the flary type, but he gets the job done, and he, he's a very much a businessman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely, and it's, it's so true. It's, it's sort of it's you know we we want these riders to mould into how we want them to respond to yeah. us. So as, as reporter, reporters, commentators, journalists, you want to see you know this this sort of Cipollini, Peter Sagan, you know yeah. that type of um, larger than life. But this is actually refreshing. Yeah, 100%. it's really refreshing. 100%. It's great. And actually, let's listen to uh, Michael Store. That's an interview in his bedroom straight when he arrives. You see, there's the bags. The mattress is still not on the bed, and so on. That's Michael Store. It's, it hasn't sunk in. It's it's uh, <laughs> I couldn't even dream of winning. Yeah, so many races in such a short period of time. I know I'd put in the hard work. Yeah, altitude camp with the team. And also at home, like in training, making sure I'm like the best prepared possible. But it's a whole different thing on race day, actually putting all the pieces together. It's, it's incredible. I can imagine. And then um, you, have you called your family or your girlfriend just yet? Yeah, I called my girlfriend during the drive home and, and actually she didn't even watch the stage. I, I hadn't really told. Sometimes I tell my family, oh, like, watch this stage in particular because maybe we're we've got some plan or something but I hadn't hadn't really said anything about this stage and yeah she yeah she was calling her her grandma and she hung up on the phone and then she thought oh maybe I'll go check the results and she clicked on the on the page and it turned out it was literally 10 seconds after I'd crossed the line so it was also a big surprise for her. Yeah, absolutely, and it's, it's so nice. Like, it's, he's, 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 it's like a it's like the sixteen year old kid. Yeah, has just won uh, yeah, you know the, why, the country championship title or something. It's this is why, uh, but when you're saying earlier on, like he's, he's he, it feels like he's been here forever. He feels like he's thirty, but sometimes you watch this, you feel like he's sixteen. You know, well, and, and he and he comes across. He does have that sort of baby face look too, and and you can imagine uh, in the World Tour Peloton, the, you know, it's not the friendliest place to be at times, and you can imagine, um, you know, someone throwing out a bit of abuse at, at Michael Store and him coming back in that monotone that he has that nice pleasant uh, tone and sort of saying, "Oh, sorry, I'll I'll, I'll move out of the way," or you know, so <laughs> yeah. and then and 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 I think you can see that uh, when you see Kelly uh, Kenny Ellis on uh, response. Responding, oh yes, Michael Storer. You can see he's happy for him. You know, there's there's, there's riders that uh, you'd love to win at any occasion, and then there's other riders that you know they win because they're the best, but they're not always particularly liked. So it's um, you can tell that Michael certainly doesn't have any enemies out in the peloton. 
Yeah, absolutely. I, let's just to complete uh, the picture with Michael Storer, let's take you inside the DS car, inside the car that was following uh, Michael Storer. And it's always something when you see grown-up men cry, yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so good, Michael. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Get in, mate. You legend. You absolute legend. So, no, nothing lost against uh, Massad Lopez and Haig. Oh, oh mate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Meanwhile, no, this man yeah, yeah. was going to do it. Does he put the edge just to So many stories about the, this car in DSM, but honestly, it's always sweet to see the reaction of the DS when they've got a big win like this. Nobody works. Sure, you and I both know. Nobody works in a cycling team for the money. <laughs> it's, <laughs> nah. it's, it's too bloody hard. And the, especially the mechanics, the soigneurs, that was the mechanic in the back seat and the emotion. It is absolute passion. And they they are on every single minute, yeah. every single – they ride every pothole, every kilometre. And it's it's so nice to see that and just to remind everyone how much support goes into these riders. It's It's brilliant, isn't it? Well, and even more so, uh, um, I guess the difficult thing to understand is much like in any sport, the coaches and the managers are the first ones on the chopping block when it goes wrong, Macker, and it hasn't been a, a, an outstanding year for Team DSM. They've, you know, they've had riders, they got bar day, they probably haven't got really the the return that they would have liked on that investment. So then, out of nowhere, out of the most unlikeliest of places, Michael Storer wins Tour de Lane and then comes to the Vuelta and wins two stages. All of a sudden, the season doesn't look so bad. And particularly if you're the DS that's probably done both races with Michael, because often riders and, and, and managers will match up on a lot of races, he's looking great too. I mean, victories under his leadership in the car is just as vital to his career as it is for the riders winning. Yeah, yeah. he's spot on, sure. He's Absolutely. Spot on. Totally agree. Yeah, it's great. So overall, super happy with this win. Oh, we. I don't know. I reckon. Can we pack up the set? I think. I think this is our last show, Shory. We think we're calling it quits. Everything's going well. Uh, your bike, your bike sales. Um, lockdowns are great for business. Apparently, I think we just shut up shop and yeah, go home. Okay, let's do that now. <laughs> no, no, no. Because Guillaume Martin. Yeah. Guillaume Martin did something a little bit special as well yesterday. The cheeky Frenchman. I know. There's a couple of cheeky <laughs> Frenchmen. There's one here. There's a few more, but yeah. Uh, how did you rate uh, that performance and the fact that he actually uh, was able to make it to the breakaway? Oh, he's, look, the guy, I'm loving Guillaume Martin more and more each year. He's been pretty good in the last couple of tours. He got in an early break at the Tour de France, catapulted himself into second overall, yeah. Ended up slipping down. I think he was seventh or eighth overall in the end. He's done the same at the Vuelta. Yep. Overnight. Brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Let's listen from Guillaume Martin. Yeah, it was a big, big fight uh, at the beginning of the race. Uh, I didn't have uh, super good legs uh, after the race day. And once again with uh, the heat, that, uh, that's really not uh, my kind of uh, weather conditions. But uh, yeah, I... Tried to be clever, and when I saw the opportunity to get in the break, and I, I just uh, jumped. 
Uh, at the end, I saw kilometers after kilometers that the gap was increasing. So, of course, I was thinking about the red jersey. I gave everything in the last uh, in the last climb, but uh, yeah, it's, aching was just was just um, too strong uh, to be so that I was able to to drop him. So uh, Guillaume Martin uh, will see climb second in uh, in the overall uh, GC. Uh, overall, that breakaway. Recap a little bit how it happened and how because it took a long time to it just happen. It took seventy to eighty kilometers to go. I, I walked in to the comms box. Maddie Keenan was in here, and I say, "G'day, Maddie, how you going?" He goes, 50 kilometers in the fifty kilometers an hour for the first forty minutes." <laughs> that was his. That was his hello to me. It was one of those stages that was bonkers. Just the start yet. was cross tail wind flying. Imagine trying to get into that break, Shory, and then finally the elastic band snapped 31 riders and they worked. They worked all day. They yeah. were half an hour ahead of schedule. It's and then huge. it was really only that final climb. Matteo Trentin launched and then the rest is history. Michael Storr rode with a just, you know, a super cool head. Yeah. And when you've got one stage win under your belt, Shory again – when you when you're hot on form, it's like you just make the right decisions as well, isn't it? Oh, hundred percent. And also things just happen. You know, there's there's. I think if you look back through careers and you think to yourself, like if you could be in the shoes of the winner on the day, there's so many close calls, a bidden drops at the front where you could have knocked yourself off. You go around a corner, you think, oh, it went a bit hot that day. You know, any other day you might have fallen. We, it's it's crazy how that sort of works. But also. Um, when you've got a stage like yesterday's stage that appeals to so many, the break is always going to be so hard to get into. And uh, look, we've got appealing stages all throughout the Vuelta and it always does shine. And as Guillaume Martin uh, alluded to, the heat is becoming the biggest enemy of the riders. And those that don't manage their effort in these periods of the race are really going to struggle come week three. Yeah, yeah, 100%. Okay, uh, Kenny Ellison, we've heard him a little bit, just a little bit. Oh, we love uh, Kenny. Yeah, he's good. Yeah, he's, uh, yeah. What did you, uh, I mean, let's listen to him and then, because that's going to launch us on what happened to, uh, to Roglic a yeah. bit later on. Let's listen from Kenny Ellison. And then, you know, downhill, first corner, my two wheel slept, first corner. So I said, oh, the downhill is like uh, slippery. Then uh, Guillaume. Von Bal went, Guillaume Martin passed in front of me and also his wheel slept, so I said, okay, better to take care. The wind was unfortunately not to grasp anymore, so I prefer to be in one piece. And he prefers to be in one piece. Oh, we all prefer to be in one yeah, piece. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm with you, Kenny. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't think I ever tried to be in two pieces, but uh, <laughs> I think one is okay. But uh, uh, how do you... Talk, uh, if we talk about the quality of the road, he mentions the uh, how slippery the road could be in a descent. And I think you guys talked about yeah, it. Yeah, it's... The descent can be a little bit of rain and then he goes... Shoo. Look, I can tell you, racing, spending a season in Valencia, which is further north, but similar climate, the south is so hot. It's You race on these roads, it rains five days a year. Yeah. So for the rest of the year, there's just this like, you know, tyre sort of... Um, carbon emissions that that car sorry sorry car sort of carbon emissions that's mm -hmm. little oil slick and it there there there's always like a thin layer of dust isn't there shory so the roads can be in really good condition but it just doesn't take much for a 25 uh millimeter tire to slip does it 
Well, and also, we're not even looking at 25 mils of tyre because when you're cambering a corner, you're almost on sidewall of the tyre effectively, mm. and uh, particularly at the speeds, there's all sorts of things that go. But there's nothing worse than when you're in a race and you can see down, and as you're riding along, you just see this little dust sort of flowing underneath right at the rim's edge. It doesn't come up much higher than that, but it's really scary because you know it's slippery underfoot and it doesn't take much to get it wrong. Yeah, 100%. And of course, uh, we saw and we talked about it, Roglic had a crash as well. Uh, take us through that crash because even the best can crash, but uh, yeah. Roglic is a bit prone at crashing a little bit. He's, yeah, he crashed at the Criterium de Dauphiné. The camera almost misses it. He catches it. He's, he literally slides off. He slides off the road. But I called it before that, yeah. if you if you watched it live, Couch Peloton, you will remember it. Two corners before it, he almost cooked it. And I said, this is great. He'd attacked his main GC guy. So he was going to gain some time. He was trying to gain some time. But was it really worth taking all those risks? Mm-hmm. In my opinion, no. Like, you've got to take some risks. I get it. But he was absolutely pushing it. And now, Shory, I can't help but think... The little man upstairs is going to start getting into his head a little bit. On There's a lot of descending before this race uh, hits the finish line. This isn't good for Roglic. Well, yeah, it's, it's not. I mean, it's not good for anyone. I've, um, you know, you take uh, any of the best descenders when they crash, it still plays in the mind a little bit. Uh, I probably look at it a bit more from another angle, I think, to myself, and I've thought for a few stages now, he looks very eager to grab as much time as he can now why he's got yeah. the legs. And and it is two minutes. I, I mean, we're always going to harp on about Bernal and Yates. We've got to because we've seen that the, 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 the team Ineos has been proven over a long period of time that rarely do they mix it up, mess it up. They messed it up in Le Tour de France. Can they mess it up two Grand Tours in a row? Uh, in a year, should I say? It's difficult to know. I think that they're going to come at some point. Are they keeping yeah. the powder a little dry? I don't think they're deliberately losing a minute, no. But will we see them launch in week three? And is he thinking about that and that's why he wants to just keep gaining time? Is he more concerned about our man Haig? I mean, Jack Haig, he's getting momentum now and he had a similar preparation to Haig. They both crashed out of the Tour de France early. So, I mean, there's these things that play in the mind. And I, I think I still see him a little bit panicky actually and early on we saw him joking around in interviews it's it's becoming more and more serious as we get deeper into the welter he can be he can be and just to finish on that he's been a little bit shaky in the third week and he's, he's got super red hot form at the start his form literally has come from the olympics yeah let's remind everyone he wins the individual tt so He's got to hold this form deep into the third yep. week, and it's a brutal third week. So there's still a lot more to play. Oh, yeah, and this, it is looking good for Jack. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's listen from Pringos, Roglic. Primoz, tell us, how are you? You, you have crashed? You, you have a big smile. Are you okay? Uh, yeah, uh, I think without a crash it would be even better, but uh, yeah. He's racing, uh, yeah, uh, without a risk, it's also no wins, uh, so uh, yeah, he's uh, fine. What did happen exactly? I was just too fast. Huh? Uh, I was uh, super slippery and uh, yeah, uh, I went a little too fast. Okay. Thank you. He was a bit too fast. To my knowledge, he was the only guy that crashed mm-hmm. on that descent. Now, Kenny Alessandro sort of confirmed that, okay, it was a little bit greasy, but still, it's... it's but still, they held it. 
Yeah, yeah, that's right. That's right. It's going and to make I, it very and interesting. And I like what you say, uh, Shoei, here, because you're right. I mean, I didn't think of it this way, but he's, he's really aggressive where he, sh he, sh he doesn't really need to be aggressive. So is he scared? Is he worried? Is he, is he looking going, oh, I need to be so much in front? Does he have a target Yeah. how much in front he needs to be to be safe? Yeah, that's... Yeah, you're spot on. I, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with both of you on what you said, Shory. And my point is, yeah, exactly that. I think he's almost preparing that he might fade a bit in the third week. Yeah, and I, I think it's been ever since Pogacar beat him in the Tour de France in the final time trial. That, that pain, he will never, ever lose that pain because he wasn't the only one shocked. The whole world was shocked that day. And, 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 and in fairness, Tachis Pogacar wrote the time trial of the history of cycling as far as I'm concerned. I've never seen someone ride so well. And he literally had the the yellow jersey in his hands and tore it out of his hands with his heart as well. And that sits in the back of his mind. He will always think, I still need an extra 10 seconds or an extra 20. And, um, yeah, I think he's being well too aggressive. But also with that aggression, he's losing compatriots, not from his team, but the likes of Mass and Haig, are they likely to work with him if they get away later in the Vuelta to save his save his jersey? Who knows? It's and the other thing, we might as well like we're having a big crack at go Rob. Let's, let's go on. all in. Let's just kitchen sink. Um, last year, Carapaz almost dra dragged the jersey off him. I think on the penultimate mountain stage. So there's. There's a lot of ducks lining up yeah. here. Look, either way, what's lining up is it's going to be a brilliant second half and, and third oh. and final week of this race. 100%. And, and the Welter yeah. never disappoints. It never disappoints, yeah. let's be honest. Yeah. I mean, it might not be your favourite rider winning, but it doesn't disappoint. And I tell you what, the cards are right aligned for Aussies, and we're loving it. Stora, now Haig. Haig showed that he had the form of the Tour de France, and he could have ridden the O'Connor esque race uh he didn't get that opportunity but this is a great opportunity and Haig, it doesn't matter about the heat either so excited for his prospects mm, yeah totally. and if you want to hear more from jack Haig, uh, there's a great interview on the cycling central website that was done on the race day by our good friend uh, jamie uh and just i uh, would urge you to to go and check it out because he explained a bit how he feels on this race day and what could be uh, the target for the next week so it's on the uh, sbs cycling central website hey we've got a new red jersey we have, it, yeah. Finally. Out of all of this, that's right. <laughs> we better, we better, let, we let, better give the guy some airtime. Absolutely, uh, odd Christian Aching uh, got the red jersey. Uh, I really thought, um, you know, Guillaume Martin could do it, but you know, that wasn't the, mm. that wasn't the case. But uh, it's a good, good year for uh, Intermarché. Uh, absolutely good year. So Let's listen oh, yeah. from our new race leader, and then we'll debrief straight after that. Odd Christian, we expected you to do this on stage three. So the lesson today is it. Better late than never. Yeah, better late than never. We we had it already after stage three with uh, with my teammates. So uh, this is just a bonus, you know. But it's a very pleasant bonus, especially for me. Did you think this morning that uh, you would end up like this today? No, 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 no. I was nine minutes behind, and uh, it would almost take a miracle to to be in the jersey. So, but. I heard uh, on my ear uh, eight minutes, nine minutes, ten minutes, you know, and then in the end, yeah, I understood that this is really possible. So in the climb, um, how did you deal with uh, Guillaume Martin, who was uh, your opponent for the red jersey? Yeah, I, 
Guillaume is a strong climber. He uh, just came from uh, top 10 in the Tour de France. And uh, yeah, I knew he would be, he was very close. So I had an eye on him and uh, and uh, yeah, I tried to, to get as many minutes as possible in the end. You know, only one Norwegian led La Vuelta before you. That was Tour Usoft 15 years ago. Yeah. <laughs> What does it mean for you to lead a Grand Tour? Oh, I, I can't describe it. It's really, really big. Yeah. Well done. Huh? <laughs> I hear a problem, mate. Every time I ask a question, you guys go, eh? What? <laughs> Even if I say thank you, eh? It's What? the thick accent. <laughs> well, you got Jean-François Kinet, who speaks actually multiple languages. Yeah. He does a brilliant job. And he couldn't understand, thank you. <laughs> yeah. And he had to tell him in Danish. <laughs> oh, Norwegian, Norwegian. Norwegian. Uh, Norwegian. But also, like, are you not, uh, how good looking is he? Uh, even with the mask on. Even What with is the it mask about on. Scandinavians? It's the hair. Yeah, he's no, a good-looking rooster. The yeah. hair is perfect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, now, I mean, honestly, do you think he woke up the day of the race yesterday morning going, I'm going to get red jersey tonight? <laughs> you know what? You know what? Shuri? No, no. And you know who did? Oh. Honestly? The DS. Valerio <laughs> Piva, Director Sportif of the Year. Taco Vanderhorn, Stage 3 of the Giro d'Italia. They planned it. Yeah. They said it. We interviewed yeah, true. Valerio Piva. Yeah. Uh, Rain Tarame, stage three of the Vuelta. Same team. They planned it. They talked about it. He takes the red But jersey. nine minutes. Like he's picked up nine This minutes. This one, on it. they put him in the lead, potentially for stage win. Maybe, okay, the jersey was a Piva, DS of the year. What do you think, Shory? Well, I mean, it goes, it does go undernoticed a lot of the DS work that goes in the smaller teams, but we've already spoken about it, about uh, Alpes and Phoenix. And what we're seeing now is that the, maybe the smaller budget teams or less known teams are actually getting themselves in front in the races and getting the opportunities. And they're now proving that it's, it's not just about uh, uh, being in these races. You are competitive. Uh, I mean, these guys that are getting the results aren't uh, uh, rough riders. They're not just turned up out of nothing. They're quality riders. But, look, he certainly didn't expect to, to take the jersey, but he would have seen that it was a possibility, uh, depending on the makeup of the breakaways. But in these Grand Tours, particularly later in the season with the Vuelta, there's always that chance of that 15-minute breakaway getting the chance and there's nothing to lose for the uh, for teams like uh, Visma or Ineos to pass on a jersey because it gives them a couple of days to change their plans, maybe rest a few guys for that really, really tough third week. Yeah, And it's, it's actually... Perfect. This is perfect for Roglic. Yeah. <laughs> to put a bit of a positive spin well, back on him. He was quite smiling under the Yeah, mask. yeah, yeah. He, he's, he, needed, he needs to lose the jersey, I think, just for a few yeah. days to defend um, it all yeah. the way to the end. Now it's tough. Yeah. Absolutely agree. Let's bring uh, the, the rankings up uh, up here. So we saw Odd Christian uh, Aking is in the lead. Guillaume Martin is second at only 58 seconds. Primoz Roglic is 2 minutes and 17. Enric Mas and Miguel Angel Lopez are following. And of course, Jack Haig is six. If we look at the jerseys, here are the jerseys winner. We saw Aking is in red. Jakobsen is still in green. Uh, Caruso is still uh, on the pole cadet. Yep. And Igor Bernal is going to drive that young jersey Uh, all the way to uh, all the way home, I think. Uh, not necessarily, no, okay. no, not necessarily, because if you controversial, it, well, <laughs> he's got he's only got 126 on Vlasov. To me, Bernal is going backwards. But Vlasov, is I'm not calling going. it. 
Now, Flutter. Bernal will not oh. win this tour and he will not finish on the podium. Are you going to put your house on this oh. one? For real? Oh, no. Big, double or nothing. Big, you want double, double or nothing. nothing. Do you already have the keys? <laughs> Shall I put them back in there? <laughs> Mate, you almost won. You didn't win the last bet. Uh, true, Come true, on. true, true. Okay, let's take a break and you heard uh, our analysis on this stage. Let's take a break and you know you like her. It's Belinda with her rookie recap. G'day, well I've been following along from the couch and we've had mountains and sprint stages and last night a hilly stage. It was a cracker. I'm going to try and cap it for you in a minute. Can I do it? Start the clock. Okay, so first day after the rest day, everyone wants to be in the break. They covered 50 kilometers in that first hour until 30 odd, keep an eye on that name, Riders got away from the peloton, the likes of Trenton put an attack, but it was Michael Storer from Australia proving he has more for us in store than one stage win. He adds another to his name, and after the eight break got such a big gap, that red jersey you thought it was glued on to Roglic, mm-mm, it's been handed over to odd Christian Eichen from Intermarche Wanty Gruber. He is now the king of the race. Roglic, I reckon that guy gets bored pretty easily after relinquishing the red jersey. He puts in an attack on his rival like a bull at a gate until he crashes on the downhill. He's caught by Haig, who's now six on GC, Miguel Angel Lopez and Mass. Those four come flying into the line and they gap the likes of Egan Bernal and Yates. Ooh, did I do it? I did it! Okay. <laughs> what the hell has been going on in GC town? Well, the lights have gone out for the likes of Carthy and Valverde crashed out of the race. Bardet, he's chasing KOM points. Look out, Caruso and Lander, he's all the way down in 22nd. What's going on with the Ineos Strong Trident? Well, Carapaz, he's cracked under the weight of that gold helmet. Yates, he's slipping out of contention. Banal, he is still number one in the Young Riders jersey. And the team is number one in the Tens classification. Hmm. Keep an eye on Gillian Martin. He is second, and I reckon he wants to go in that red jersey. Also, fourth and fifth, Mass, followed by his teammate, Miguel Angel Lopez. Mal, can those two continue to play nice? Ah, oh, it's all to play for in GC. Can't wait. Back to you. Go. Thank you, uh, Belinda. She's got the. She's adding her Spanish flags. I know we, we're too, getting. Uh, we're getting outdone on uh, on props. We need to do better. Yeah, we do. <laughs> oh, we got no the, props. She's the prop queen. She, I, I'm not even going to try and compete with you, actually. Um, <laughs> Absolutely. Let's look at the stage tonight. It's going to be a creeper of a stage tonight. Uh, this is how it looks. And Pat, what do you expect on a stage like this? Well, I think this is this has got to be genuine Matthews, doesn't it? Macca, we said it for stage six. Magnus Court came out and rode the absolute ride of his life. And I tell you what, he's back on my list of riders for tonight's stage as well. Magnus Court, he has the ability, he has the smarts. Can Bike Exchange get the plan right and give Matthews 100%, just back him in 100% today? If it doesn't work out, then go free-for-all for the rest of Welter. But this stage looks genuine for him. He's not going to have a lot of fast guys to sprint towards the end. He can climb well. It's got to be tonight. Yeah, you know what? You're spot on. I got I got a couple of questions for you on uh, Matthews and Bike Exchange, Shuri. One, is it is the breakaway is it a breakaway day or do, do Bike Exchange have to control it, in your opinion? And then two, the other side is... 
I don't think they've done much wrong, Bike Exchange. You know, to be fair, you can't. It's hard to make the breaks all the time. So, is it? Are we being? Am I being over? Over? Um, um, you know, giving them too much praise because I'm being biased. Like, I don't think they've done too much wrong here. Uh, I, I'm probably a 50-50. There's always that line call. I don't think they've really done much wrong, but I think the way that they probably have gone after it has just been difficult to transfer into the result. I think they could easily go on the breakaway, and why not do what most of the teams that are having success from the breakaways do? Go into the breakaway with three other teammates. I mean, they have enough riders down on the general classification that that's not going to bother anyone in the in the uh, leader's jersey. And they're not really concerning anyone in some of the minor categories either. So um, I'd like to see Matthews, if, the, if there's numbers going up the road, slot in. He doesn't have yeah. to ride the break. I mean, put your teammates in there and give him a real chance because – they're riding it from behind all the time. It's just too hard. They're running out of teammates at the real crucial moments. And he's definitely got the legs. I know he struggled with the heat, but he's definitely got the legs. They're a great team. Tonight's got to be the night. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more. I agree. He's got to be in the break. And the hill actually suits him possibly better than the Cuyetta stage that caught one. And uh, like every stage uh, live on SBS on Viceland and SBS On Demand and via the Tour Tracker. So good to have the Tour Tracker uh, yeah, for the great. Vuelta. It's great. Yeah, it is. It's excellent. Yeah, absolutely. Yep. Thank you, uh, Pat, for joining us today on the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Yeah, thanks, guys. And uh, catch Peloton oh, actually, all the way home. Actually, I forgot. I forgot. It's behind my page. Any other news? Yes, there is. News, actually. Yes, don't worry. I was going to jump in. <laughs> Paralympics have started, and a big shout-out, Paige Greco, Emily Petricola, two Aussies. They've won their 3,000-metre pursuit final. Yep. Gold medalists in their respective categories. That's awesome, Shory, isn't it? We've, we've been lucky. We've, we've been able to follow them sort of more closely over the last, I guess, three, five years with the national championships. Um, this is It's just great. It's great they get to compete, and already two, um, two gold medals for the Aussies. Yeah, and our and our first medals of the Paralympics, so it's fantastic. Cycling gets right to the, the top there. They're also, guys, really, really great positive news out of the national uh, domestic scene with Inform TMX Make yeah. uh, now yes. launching a women's team for the women's NRS in 2022, and that's just fantastic. It continues to see that evolve and develop, and it's uh, it's really important to see. So a big shout-out to the team uh, there because um, it's not easy financially and also management-wise, particularly in a small market, but doing all the right things and ticking all the right boxes. Yeah, yeah no, good absolutely. call, good call. Anything uh, else? No, I think that's all. I think can that, I say my goodbyes we, now? You can. Are we letting, yeah, I think we'll, we're happy to let well, Pat, close we off. said goodbye. Now, thank you for joining us, Pat. There you guys. Uh, thank you for coming. Thank you. Uh, we'll Good see show. you tonight. I'll live. be on tonight with Kino. Yep. Absolutely. See you soon. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. And before we go, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cycling central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until next time, same place, same time tomorrow. It's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsor Zwift. Over the winter, all my motivation comes from taking on their athlete workouts. My favorite is Matthew Vanderpool. Fun is going full gas as he helps build your anaerobic capacity. These training plans have helped me find my best. There are workouts from Garant Thomas and Anna Vanderbregen, so every aspect of your riding can be tested, ready for summer. 
All you need is a bike, trainer and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Ride on.